How's the volume on that? That's a nice setting, yeah. We can. Yeah. Still very danceable. It's yeah. very danceable. Hello, everybody. Got a lovely pop <laughs> to it. Yeah, you know, it, it just sets the mood for us here on Idiotic. Welcome, everybody. Thanks hey, for man. hanging out with us. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm very well. You know, I just realized, um, you know, when, when they, um, when we've talked about narration and stuff, the little tip that comes up that says, you know, always have a smile in your voice because people can sense that. And that's what that music does for us, right? I mean, how can we not have a smile after that music and then, you know, have this conversation? It just uh, a little a little little happiness boost every week before we roll in. So. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard not to groove. Well, good morning, <laughs> Anne. How are you? Very well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time to hang out with us. We're going to talk a little bit about gamification and stuff like that, but uh, I'll let you introduce yourself to folks this morning for us. So I'll do my own introduction, yay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm uh, Anne Coppins, known as the chief game changer at Gamification Nation. Uh, when you have to pick your own title, you pick a good one, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and since 2012, we've been gamifying experiences, starting out from the learning space and then um, more and more expanding into employee experience, customer experience. So, so today, any project that includes game elements, whether it's online or offline, uh, is what we work on. Uh, to make sure that we attract either more engagement, more custom, more interactions, whichever the case may be. Neato. And, and geographically, we were talking about where you're based, but maybe share that with the folks uh, since yes. we were you know, talking ahead. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm actually one of those kids that lives the European dream <laughs> for as long as it may last. <laughs> uh, so I actually live in Sweden with my partner in Stockholm and my business is in London uh, in the UK. So um, providing Brexit doesn't go ahead, uh, it will be all fine. If it does go ahead, we'll have a new thing to <laughs> To, to a new hurdle to jump, I think, um, but we'll be present in both locations, either or, because uh, clients for us come from both the UK and um, the EU. So, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's important. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Brett. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, so we're going to talk about gamification. So let's just jump right into it. And we've actually had this conversation before on um on this show and uh, but um i know you sort of come to the table with a a little different spin on you know how you approach it with your clients and things like that let's set a little groundwork we don't have to go into too much detail but how do you perceive or define for clients what gamification is yeah so um, actually, I came to the gamification industry very much uh, wanting to give the female voice, um, which is also good to know, I think, for people. Because when I looked at uh, games and gamification, when I was looking at it from a learning design perspective, I saw very competitive designs, very masculine type of gameplay. And I sort of went, I love games, but there is not for me. 
So that's why uh, when I define gamification, I usually say um, it's, you know, applying game psychology and game mechanics uh, to create uh, good business results. Now, game mechanics are the things that create a dynamic, but should be driven by the motivation of people. So what we do a lot of, and maybe more than most in our industry, is user research. So the first thing we always do for a client is we want to survey the staff, we want to have one-to-one -one interviews, if possible, observe them doing what it is that we're trying to gamify and um, workshops. So we get everybody involved to make sure that what we create is actually something that will live and live beyond um, just us delivering a product for them. So, uh, and, and that's working for us. That has given us really good results. And what kind of um, problems do you, do you find clients are asking you to help them either improve or, or address? Yeah, great question. Um, I mean, some of the things that we've done are just, um, you know, the most recent one that we finished and that's still sort of generating lots of talk within the organization was a cybersecurity board game for uh, Chubb Insurance. Now, the challenge they had was that their brokers were not able to communicate to their clients what happens uh, when a cyber attack happens. So we created a collaborative game where everybody sitting around the table has to work together to defend the business. And the business in each round, so it's a turn-based game, in each round you get a scenario and different parts of the business are affected. The CEO has some powers, the CTO has other powers, and based on uh, dice rolls, then you recover the business. And that was to stimulate people's discussion, but also understanding of, you know what, an attack happens. It doesn't just affect email. If it came in by email, it could affect, let's say, customer systems, uh, mission critical systems, etc. So they used that first at a conference way back in April. And then we had several uh, iterations and that's now rolling out throughout the organization because the people felt actually we can now in an educated way and still in an easy way explain to our customers, you know, you should be insured for cyber and this is why, uh, which before they couldn't do. So so that's a, a, a classic example of, of the kind of things that we do. Um, could be a lot simpler than that. Um, onboarding, for example, is, is one that we come across quite a lot. Um, where you can just set people on a treasure hunt and uh, collect the various tokens to get you ready uh, to be that new hire that performs quickly after they start. And, you know, there's there's lots of variations on the team. So so the, the problem is usually a people problem, um, something communication, something they're not doing, but that the organization wants them to do more of. Yeah. On the on the board game, a couple of things as you were describing it um, that, that stuck out for me. One, um, and first of all, the, yeah, the, that you're using it to give people exposure to different aspects of a problem that they wouldn't normally have. So that's 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 neat by expanding their understanding and then 
helping them be able to, you know, have a holistic picture without, um, I mean, I'm going to presume the board game, you know, is, is something less than an hour probably, you know, so, or in a relatively sort of short frame, but getting aspects of, of, of different perspectives in that kind of a short frame. And then the use of, um, I think you said rolling of the dice. So that, that provides a, a randomization, a difference for every experience as well. So, um, so that's kind of, and, and sets it up as opposed to just feeling then, um, it's, it, it takes it you know even that step further away from just telling people these sorts of things in sort of a more lecture kind of a structure absolutely absolutely and it's randomized with the dice but it's also randomized with scenarios so oh, okay uh, we have five different business types so whoever picks the CEO role card uh, can pick the business type so you have okay. already within the one gameplay a whole bunch of scenarios and then for each business we have ten different attacks that happen and you only play five rounds to keep it within you know the time given was maximum 45 minutes mm -hmm. so they had time to debrief within an hour slot so um and we, we we tested it several times and we said okay five rounds is sort of uh where you would need to be and you win if you have money left after five rounds, because um, if you don't turn over uh, areas that have been affected to to good again, so they turn from uh, green to red if they're attacked, and if you if you score the right number, they'll turn back to to green. Um, you have to pay a fine if they remain red. So if you still have money left, and, and again, that, that is also realistic in a business setting, usually a cyber attack costs money. Um, and there's only so much a team internally can do to, to stop it. And if you're not quick enough, it's going to cost an awful lot more. And for some businesses, it actually is business failure altogether. Mm -hmm. And they um, so, so let me just make sure I understand this right, and and maybe it's just me and I'm I'm lost. So <laughs> I apologize, chat room, if if you all get this and I missed this one spot. So it's it's the insurance agents and the game represents their customers and what they're going through, Correct. so that they can then have the conversation about okay, now that I understand and I'm in their shoes, now I have a better idea of how to sell the insurance and to help convince them why they need it because I've gone through these scenarios that they might go through if they were to have an attack. Absolutely. That's it. That's it. That's, that's everything okay. in a nutshell, Brent. You absolutely got it. <laughs> okay. Good. I, just, I just wasn't sure because I was thinking to myself, well, wait a minute, are they pretending to be their CEO in the insurance company and learn that mm. business? And I thought, no, that's not right. So just wanted to clarify. So no, no, we mm. have uh, five business types. So a manufacturing business, a health organization, an e-commerce business, um, two more. So I had manufacturing retail and one more, uh, which escapes me. <laughs> so there's five of them just, all together. <laughs> yeah. So what made you decide? So from an instructional design perspective, since we are instructional designers in offices drinking coffee, uh, what made you decide on a board game? So uh, we, it was basically going to be used for a conference. And what they wanted was something that was engaging, uh, but educational. So and we, we, we rummaged around different ideas. And also we, we put together. So the game is inspired by 
um, Shadows over the Camelot, which where you have to defend the a castle together. Okay. Um, yeah. And originally, the the insurance company said, "Oh, we want something super competitive because our people are very competitive." And then we spoke it through a bit more, and they said, "Actually, maybe that's the wrong thing to do because then they're all going to be fighting <laughs> and trying mm. to cheat and all sorts." So, which is why uh, we then settled on a collaborative game. And if you look at the collaborative games that are out there, there's actually not that many. Uh, so finding one that was complex enough that you know you could expand on or do a mashup version from uh, was was kind of interesting to find. But but it was very much it needed to be a talking point. It needed to uh, encourage uh, also. Would you do that? I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, what strategic decisions do you need to make? Because for a manufacturing company, for example, if the manufacturing equipment is attacked, that's, you know, game over. They can't produce. Yeah. Whereas, for example, for a financial institution, um, it's more their, their banking system that would be game over and if that's compromised. But if their payroll system is attacked, okay, that's important for the employees. But priority-wise, you address what's Im most important first and what impacts the business most first. And even that thinking process, they wanted people to actually discuss that. And, and it ties in with a lot of what we know about adult learners is adult learners can hook new knowledge onto existing knowledge and often make sense in conversation. So uh, which is also why uh, it made sense to us to do it like that. You know, you know we, we often think about uh, your, your, your focus on collaborative versus you know, competitive. We often think when, when people talk gamification, we think about points or rewards type structures. Uh, but in this case, the reward is, uh, or the, the the goal, or the reward, I guess, would be the the collective achievement of reducing the the damage, basically, I guess, or or Absolutely. what have you, versus the individual um, the individual reward of of what my status is within within the game. Neat. Yeah, yeah, and everybody gets a go, so everybody has to roll the dice. Mm -hmm. So you know, everybody feels part of it. And you can just be as helpful as, let's say, the marketing person as you are the CEO or the CTO. So which which is an interesting dynamic. But I think, especially in learning, uh, competition is used too often. And I actually not a big fan of competition in learning because it, it it's good for the top three. <laughs> But everybody beyond that feels, mm, I'm Dumbo. And, you know, we don't want to do that. We want to give people confidence when they're learning. We want them to actually feel empowered um, to do something more, to try something new. So I would, would always, when people come to me with learning projects and they want competition, my first question is why? Why does it have to be competitive? And if you have to be competitive, is it a compete against yourself or compete against a benchmark? Because benchmarks can be good to give you an idea, okay, how, where do I sit somewhat? Um, you know, like the LinkedIn, you're in the top 5% of LinkedIn users, uh, for example. Um, but yeah, I take the points. Uh, Marcus makes a great point. Salespeople do like competition more than most. 
in their work for sure they want to see how they're doing um, but even in their learning i would only pitch them in a fair space so we did an onboarding project for a recruitment company and we pitted all the people that were starting at the same time in against one another as opposed to the new starter uh, against the guy that's already 12 years in the job and has a Rolodex a mile long and can just ring up a whole bunch of people saying, you know, do you have any jobs on? I need to fill my quota for this quarter. <laughs> so we wanted to make it fair. So fairness yeah. in the game is is important but yes salespeople do do have more appetite than most for competition i think sometimes too something that concerns me sometimes about the idea of you know scoring points or whatever is that um i mean there's there's that whole nature then of gaming the game right yes. if, if, if <laughs> so you, you know is it uh you know are you just blasting through something and, and trying and not really, you know, are you in the learning mode if, if that's what's really important or are you in the points getting mode? And, uh, you know, so there's, it's always gotta be a bit of a, 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 a balancing act, I think, to be able to make sure that you're not simply, yeah, providing an opportunity for people to, I won't say cheat, but uh, <laughs> to perhaps be um, focused on the wrong priority. Yeah, and, and in a way, in a design scenario, you always have to expect cheating will come because there is always one that will try. <laughs> no matter yeah. how good your design is, there's always one. And, you know, what, what I would suggest typically is, you know, in, in gamification, everything's measured through tracking and point systems. But you don't have to show all of the points all of the time. And that way you know, you can still encourage people to continue on to see, okay, how did I score at the very end, as opposed to showing how they're doing intermittently. So, you know, you, as, a, as a designer, you can be creative with where you show points, where you don't show points, and especially building more collaborative stuff as well, because I think team games and teamwork are super valued in a corporate setting, Yet, in a lot of gamification, we don't see it. And I think that's something, if, if anything, if I ever bring to the industry, if that's something I can encourage, I, I'd, uh, that would make my day. <laughs> well, that seems to be the theme anyways in the, the, the workplace of the future, as they say, you know, that um, the, the only way we're going to get through this or the, the leading companies, I believe uh, one of the analysts in our industry uh, I forget what the term they use, the, just the top tier companies that are doing really well, they are promoting and working towards a lot of collaboration, a lot more than companies that maybe are lagging behind in their sector. And so they are, they're starting to realize that in order to be competitive, you've got to foster this idea of sharing amongst everybody and so the gamification the original gamification and points and leaderboards ideas that first came onto the scene i think are being reconsidered or rethought yeah and i think the trend is actually a positive trend in gamification that you know you see better narrative coming out so there's more let's say text adventures, which you can create in, in any of the e-learning tools for most of the, most of the time. So um, things like uh, time challenges, 
things like periodic testing of a specific point that you need to master, simulations, they're all gameplay. Um, they're not necessarily all new school either. Um, you know, just new technology makes it easier for us to do them. And yeah. yeah. You know, what I think it, there's it? a good trend. <laughs> Yeah, there there really is. Let's. It's interesting though because I've heard a lot recently in conversations like this about like board games and card games and that ability to bring people together in a real world setting to have that collaborative experience, yep. enjoying a game together that has um, a, a a business element to it. Um, but so how do we? How do we take that digitally? Like, have you been able to do the board game, let's say, um, like virtually having people come in from different areas? Or is it is it possible? Game, I mean, for the board game so far, no. But there are collaborative games. Like if you look at uh, the multi, the massive multiplayer online games like your Worlds of Warcraft, EVE Online, you know, they are working together towards a common goal. So you need a big budget. <laughs> that is the first thing say, I that's say. A <laughs> sell to build like a World of Warcraft environment for your uh, your sales team. Or something, <laughs> <you know. laughs> correct, correct. But there, then there are virtual worlds in which you can place some element of gameplay. So uh, there are tools on the market now that, let's say, five years ago we couldn't do. Uh, so, you, so you can actually link them together. And I would say linking in experience with augmented reality, for example, you can do that from a variety of, of locations. So we, we worked on um, a treasure hunt for a launch uh, in an airline. And obviously the airlines had ticket sales offices around the world. And it was when the Pokemon Go rage was all go. And we basically had them collect uh, different uh, tokens to do with the airline to uh, win a ticket on the first Wi-Fi enabled flight. Now, again, that worked because in each office you had scannable places and actually the scannable places were posters. So it was using real reality with augmented reality and then the augmented reality was collected in a gamified system. So. So you can do it. Uh, I mean, pe people can do it on Twitter feeds. What we've also done, and actually very low tech, on an internal Jive system, so the internal Facebook or internal messaging method that the company had, we did a Beat the January Blues challenge where people were randomly put into teams across uh, different parts of the company. So they, they, were, they were active in, I think, 50 different locations and they mixed people up. And the whole objective was that in your team together, you had to commit to um, X number of days of exercise and you had to keep each other accountable. So they were just your accountability group. And then you had to post as a team in the Jive channel what you had accomplished that week. And, you know, it was purely for line owners. There was nothing, um, you know, no prizes or anything like that. Um, it was just purely a bit of fun. What it did, people felt uh, much more happy at work. But what it also did, and that was an unexpected side effect, is that actually more work got done. 
because mm. there is this uh, link of you know happy people work better together and we reckoned from what we could see is that now people had interactions with offices that they worked with and they knew people so they got to know networks and therefore could move their workflow through the different channels in an easier fashion so i could say hey brent do you know the person in phoenix that i need to speak to about x and you could say, oh yeah yeah he sits three desks away from me which prior you would go and email and it'd get lost in cyber somewhere <laughs> so you know and that was low tech really low tech but very good fun yeah, something like that doesn't introduce any new, any new technology or anything. It's taking exist, uh, advantage of existing things. So, yeah, yeah. cool. Um, Jag has a question that he's put into the question panel. Uh, do you have any experience with applying gamification in an industrial training setting? In an industrial training setting, like uh, manufacturing, I would assume. I think that probably would, yeah, that would probably qualify, yeah. I would say. Yeah, so personally, I don't, I'll be perfectly okay. honest, but <laughs> uh, we've seen, so I've been blogging about uh, gamification for the past uh, five years, pretty much three times a week. So, <laughs> so I research quite a bit of the examples that are on the market. And uh, for example, Siemens did do that for uh, manufacturing plants in Germany and had really fantastic results about gamifying some of the conveyor and I suppose construction belts that they have running. Uh, and people took it in their spare time more than in, let's say, work hours. Although they were given work time to complete the learning, they would log back on after hours to check, okay, so if I change this, what happens? If I change that, what happens? And, you know, so there, there, there is an impact. Um, and again, technology allows us to do it. So uh, what we're doing for a care home is we're adding augmented reality to their equipment. So you can scan with a mobile app. Uh, you know, you don't know anymore how to use a particular piece of equipment. You scan it and hey, pops up the video to explain this is how to use it. This is the checklist. So there are things we can do, um, so for sure. And you can, with, with some of the gamified systems, build in links to Arduino, which is the programming language mainly used for systems and manufacturing. So, so it can be integrated. So I know it's possible. Um, but if you have a more specific example of the problem, we can, we can even tease it out. <laughs> so, yeah. so Jag, that's your that's your cue, Jag. If you if you have something <laughs> that you're actually thinking about, toss more details in. Jag does say thanks, and that's brilliant. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for uh, bringing that aspect because of course we all come from different places. Jag's example is an oil and gas facility. So, do you know, um, so oil and gas facility. Um, this past summer, I was um, I was in uh, Rotterdam, and there's the Marine Museum in Rotterdam, and they have a really neat um, section there. Um, of where you are doing more or less simulations of, of working with different pieces of equipment as if you were on an oil rig in the North Sea. And it, uh, you know, it, it's, not a, it's maybe not applicable because it's for people who have absolutely no idea, uh, but it involved a lot of different aspects and, and stations. And, um, and it was actually a, a sidebar. It was really um, universal. You know, a nine-year-old and a 90-year-old could, could all have participated at, at the same level. It wasn't 
childlike or, 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 or you know, immature in any way, but it, it wasn't also, you know, super, anyway. Um, but there was a case where, and you were in a room with um, 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 videos on all the walls that gave you a sense of time going by. So you had other ships, you know, ships that you could see off the rig that sort of moved along. And it was yeah. very um, Im immersive in that way. And uh, and then different tasks that you were that you were trying to perform. And the goal being that for lay people, we would understand the kinds of things, you know, yeah. how to drill a hole around rocks, for instance, to get down, et cetera. Um, but it had that it had the feel in this case of, you know, you're using the types of equipment uh, as an interface on the gaming system. Anyway, that, that strikes me as a, uh, a similar kind of a thing where, where the, you know, yeah. and, and you are gathering points. You, you, um, yeah. you were gathering <laughs> points as you went through. So. And as a, as, a, as a good piece of information, I think is actually most oil companies would uh, use people or use simulators for teams actually going out on oil rigs for the first time. So um, yeah. mm. there's actually a fantastic example, Jag, for uh, oil and gas from Maersk. Maersk is known for the shipping, so you probably see them on all the big containers, but they also do oil and gas, and they built a game called Quest for Oil. And their aim with the game was to attract 16, 17-year-olds into the oil and gas industry, uh, by teaching them how you know important the work was that they were doing, and you get to uh, learn about different soil types, you get to you know do different simulations, like you explained, Chris. Very similar. Um, hmm. If they also have on their website, which if you I think it's Maersk Learning, if I'm not wrong, um, they have some really cool videos on how they use the simulator as part of their training. Uh, for okay. people going out on oil rigs, and I, I personally felt, you know, that's a job fantastically well done. They go into the simulator as a team, and they get a debrief after of what went well, what didn't go so well, what should you have done different. So, very much creating a, a real life life experience as such. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, I give, I'll, I'll give a pitch to uh, Marco Facini's in the chat. He does a lot of simulations and work yeah. with oil and gas. I think Marco, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, if Jag, if you want to talk to Marco about that, he's uh, he's connected in that world, and he's got a lot of examples in that space. He oh, could probably you. share with you. Very yeah, cool. We, we have another question here. Um, uh, experiences in applying gamification for a call center induction. Oh, very, very good fun. That. Yeah, that's that's very good fun. I, I think uh, in a lot of call centers, they are using gamification for their agents to measure agents. Um, and actually, way back in my student days, I was in the call center. It's how I funded my degree. And um, I was part of a team selecting different tools and systems. So it's always been close to to my heart to sort of keep up that link and make sure that profession gets better. Because um, the good call centers keep their staff for longer than, let's say, uh, the ones that are really harsh on their people. So the biggest challenge for an individual call center agent is to know whether you're doing a good job or not, whether they're, you know, performing to standard or not. 
So giving them control and visibility over those statistics is important, but giving them a benchmark of what good looks like is also important. And um, one thing I would always say is if, if you're not at the right level, then I need little steps to show me what should I be doing in order to get to that level. Because telling me I'm not good enough doesn't work, doesn't teach me nothing. It just says, oh, not good. I'm not going home feeling great. Whereas if it tells me, and, and I, I liken it to LinkedIn, LinkedIn tells you what you need to do to get your profile a percentage better complete. If you do the same in a call center setting, if you want to hit the next level in call center achievement, then you need to do one, two, three. And those can be qualitative uh, things. So most call centers use uh, coaches listening into your calls. So it could be qualitative things like, you know, have you asked this question? Have you had that conversation? Uh, so, so definitely uh, there's room for that to be included. So I would loop in uh, desk coaching into the onboarding. And uh, I work backwards from success. So uh, to go back to the recruitment center example, so they're effectively people sitting on the phone, um, A, sourcing candidates, B, sourcing clients. And we looked at, okay, what does a successful agent do? What does success look like? And then uh, what activities do they do to get there? So, uh, and then you map out, okay, so they, they make so many calls a day. Um, the calls last on average this length of time. They make sure they ask these 10 questions. Um, you know, so that, and they get, they, they listen for solid, solid answers so they can populate all the screens you need to populate. You know, so there's, there's a number of steps that they do. And we know that if you repeat them often enough, you will actually hit the same success rate. You may need more time because you need to fine tune your art, but that's okay. Um, and in the first, I mean, for the, for that particular example, uh, people were actually dropping out of the workforce after less than six months because they felt they weren't up to the job. Why? Because they were being compared with the top guys in the job, which is mm -hmm. why we phased in very relative leaderboards, very relative progression steps. So in the first three months, we expect you to hit this. In the next six months, we expect mm -hmm. you to hit that. After a year, and then we had uh, challenges that we did on a monthly basis. So everybody had a stretch goal uh, and everybody could be part of the lunch club. Um, so the lunch club, uh, you had to earn the right to and usually invited a local business person or a speaker and basically a long lunch on the house, uh, which which appealed to, to the salespeople quite a lot. And um, they often have fantastic people coming for lunch. So it was very much a reach goal and that appealed for both the new people as well as the existing staff. So mixing the two together that they actually meet still is still important. But yes, breaking it down uh, is what I would recommend. Um, which, and as you were describing it, the word that came to my mind was from the game world was leveling up. I mean, you, yeah. you wouldn't expect someone <laughs> to start a game and be able to compete at the 30th level because they just haven't acquired, you know, the knowledge and the skills yeah. yet of, of the system. Yeah. They're starting yeah. at, you know, level one. Um, I mean, there's always a goal to get to those extended levels, but recognition that, 
you're you're starting here, and it's not it's not fair to compare you to the. Uh, the yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. Is a hypo? What's a hypo? Oh, high performing um, organization. A high performer. <laughs> okay, sorry. I, yeah. I was I was I'm having visions of this big gray animal. I was like, <laughs> sure, it's not that. Uh, <laughs> no, true. Very few humans are hippos. It's, it's a rare thing. <laughs> yeah. But those that are, they're special. I'm they, sure they are. They, they, they bring something new to the equation. It's the the hypo. It's the new unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes, and I mean everybody has their own level of um, <laughs> Marco. I bet you he leveled up in Candy Crush. <laughs> nah, yeah, he maxed out all the levels already. He's waiting for them to start building more for him. Yeah, well, did that happen? Isn't it Tuesdays they refresh the levels in Candy Crush? Anyway, oh, dude, I have no idea. I was just making that up. I had no idea. <laughs> no, 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 they do. They do. They, they add. Do, huh? <laughs> they add levels once a week or once a boom. Yes. <laughs> so every Tuesday. So there must be new levels because otherwise you can't be playing. It's genius. That's how they keep. That's how they keep the addicts like Marco in the game. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you want a job for King, for example, they also recruit people that play those top levels. So, so yeah, which is <laughs> actually, I didn't know that, Craig, that Tuesday is update day for most of the game systems. So, I did not know that either. <laughs> I know it's for Candy Crush because of Marco. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing the little tidbits of information you learn on Idiotic once a week here, everybody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Man. yeah. The profiles we're building of our audience, even as we, uh, even as we do this live. So yeah, yeah. leveling um, up hippos. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah, we could we could work on that. There's something we can do with that. Yeah, there's something there. Um, I, I think we probably reached a, a a good point to to bring ourselves to to a close. Uh, it seems like a good spot. I don't know. Um, haven't had any questions recently, and uh, but this has been really cool. Uh, the, the angle, you know, uh, of, that you that you've brought to our conversation around gamification um, has been a really neat, uh, a really neat uh, perspective and uh, aspect to to bring to this. So thanks so much for joining us today, Anne. Thank you, and thank you for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Well, we'll have you back on because there's a lot in this yeah. particular category to talk about. And so it'd be great to have you back and we can talk about some of the other projects you've worked on and, yeah. um, you know, some of the other angles around this mystical term we call gamification. Absolutely. Happy to do so anytime. All right. Very, very cool. Find you if they want to get in touch with yeah. you. Let's give you that opportunity before we drop off here. Yes, I'm easy to find. So, uh, at gamification, not I'll type it in is my Twitter handle if you want to follow gamification, um, and then my LinkedIn Ann Coppens uh, is what you search for. I think I'm the only Ann Coppens that comes up mm. on Skype. I, I have a few alter egos, but <laughs> on uh, LinkedIn, if you type in Ann Coppens, you'll find me. Perfect. Cool. Thank you so much cool. for doing this today. This has been a ton of fun. I love yeah, gamification. Really I love cool. having the conversation. But yes. There's our happy music, and that there it is. It's, it's it's time for us to um, go back to work with a smile on our face and uh, 
have some more coffee. Uh, a tap in our feet <laughs> and a song in our hearts. <laughs> everybody have a great day. Thanks, everybody, for joining us this week. It's been a lot of fun, and we'll probably uh, hopefully see you again next time. Absolutely. Bye, Anne. <laughs> Bye.